Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where you can hear the GC team discuss and debate topical developments in public policy and regulation from around the world. Hello, my name is Megan Stagman, and I'm an associate in the tech, media and telecoms practice at Global Council. Today, we're going to be discussing the emerging tech sector in Eastern Europe, uh, particularly recent political developments in Ukraine and Belarus, and potential forecasts for the future. Joining me, I've got Alex van der Wusten here, who's an associate in our Central and Eastern Europe team. So we've been seeing more and more countries upgrade their tech credentials in the past year, making the often difficult step to become an innovation-based economy rather than remaining dependent on manufacturing. For example, in Central Europe, um, Estonia has become well-renowned recently as being a hotbed for digital entrepreneurship. It's famously spawned household names like Skype and TransferWise. Similarly, Slovenia is taking over the Council of the EU's rotating presidency in July, which will make it uh, much more politically important. And they promise to prioritise AI legislative development, which the country has its own AI credentials on as well, being home to a research centre on AI. So we can see how countries that weren't typically key players in this space are becoming more and more so. And so that kind of begs the question, uh, what about looking further east um, into Eastern Europe? It's a region that's far less understood um, in terms of its tech ambitions, but has come under more scrutiny recently. So for example, Tim Draper, who's a billionaire Silicon Valley venture capitalist and whose investments cover some of the most important tech companies in the world like Tesla and Twitter. He recently forecast a so-called golden age for Eastern European technology. So with a focus on Belarus and Ukraine, we're going to have a little bit of a look further into that today. Um, And as I say, glad to be joined by Alex, um, who's somewhat of an expert in this space. So uh, perhaps I could start out with the first question, Alex, about what is the current status of tech development in the region? Um, What would how would you describe the current landscape? Thank you very much, Megan, for this um, excellent introduction. Um, So let me start with a bit of context, a bit of historical context. So, yeah, probably due to the high level technical education from the Soviet era and the the general focus on technical education, I think of engineering, maths, physics in Eastern Europe more broadly, a lot of technically skilled people are now employed in the IT sector in, um, in the wider region. So yeah, basically the region has a lot of human capital, uh, and at the same time there uh, there is something that you could, yeah you can call a brain drain uh, since the 1990s. So many uh, educated specialists uh, have been leaving due to economic troubles, due to the political instability, um, etc. At the same time, there there were also successful cases, successful companies, homegrown companies in countries like Belarus and Ukraine during the early 2000s. And the government, yeah, the governments in the region seeing this, they realized that, well, this the IT sector has potential and they basically need to undertake steps to support its growth. <clears throat> in 2017, very interestingly, the, um, the, Belarus, the Belarusian government um, um, signed a decree um, which permitted the establishment of the High Technologies Park, which is an IT park. Um, basically, it's a legal regime for IT companies. So it's residents, they receive tax benefits, they have investment protection, um, um, there are simplified procedures for hiring staff. 
um, etc. And yeah, the aim is twofold. So on one hand, to boost domestic IT, um, and also to attract foreign companies to the to the to the country in question. So in Belarus, um, this has proven to be a success. So it had attracted a lot of domestic companies and foreign companies that became residents. And yeah, soon after countries in the region, yeah, if you will, started to replicate this model. Um, so um, Kazakhstan in 2018 opened the Astana hub, um, which was a um, which is a startup yeah, ecosystem. So uh, a kind of one stop shop uh, with yeah, currently 500 IT companies, many of whom are startups. And yeah, residents include both domestic companies, but also and known, um, known uh, foreign, yeah, international companies um, like uh, Glovo, so the Barcelona-based delivery app, um, and the, uh, the 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 according to the so the Asana Hub um, um, basically promised. Well, the, the Kazakhstan government said that the uh, legislation, so the framework of the Asana Hub, will not change until. 2066, which is also a source for stability, so companies know what time frame they need to um, they need to take into account. Then in Uzbekistan, also uh, a year later in 2019, an IT park was opened there um, with with uh, also domestic uh, companies, and the idea is that it would also very much boost the development of the IT sector there. And now there's Tajikistan. Um, which um, which also kind of voiced the intention of buildings developing a similar IT park. So um, very interesting initiatives here in the Central Asia region. But still, um, much of the focus has been on Belarus and now on Ukraine, which has recently submitted. Uh, the government has recently submitted legislation also to develop its own IT ecosystem. Um, and yeah, rightly so um, because. Uh, Belarus, as we know, um, has been um, the, the 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 place where protests started last year, and the IT sector played a yeah uh, an important uh, well a, a key role there, um, and in a way fell out of favor with the with the with the with the government, and uh, what you saw there was that it was, were certain uh, certain consequences for the IT sector. Uh, which in turn prompted relocation of IT specialists to Ukraine and also neighboring countries. So, yeah, in summary, a lot of attention um, to political turmoil, which is now in Belarus and Ukraine, uh, in Belarus specifically, but also initiatives in Ukraine, and lots of interesting initiatives uh, along, yeah, similar to the high technologies park uh, you see popping up now in Central Asia. So um, just to give a big overview there. Okay, thanks. Um, and perhaps we can turn back to the issue of the kind of upheaval in Belarus in a second. But before we do, I wonder, you've mentioned IT parks a few times, perhaps um, we can take a step back and talk about what exactly are these? Why would companies want to be attracted to that area? What incentives did the governments hope to instill right. through creating those? Yeah. So the IT parks, uh, basically, you can, you can you could break it down in three components. So the intention of IT parks, firstly, to um, provide yeah, tax benefits to its residents. So that's a way of attracting um, foreign residents, uh, foreign, foreign companies. Also, um, yeah, it's also a motivation for domestic companies to become a resident. So 
you can think of um, um, yeah, significantly lower corporate taxes, excess capital taxes, uh, which would also in turn boost uh, the yeah, development of the domestic economy more broadly. Um, then there is um, kind of simplified procedures for hiring uh, hiring staff, because yeah, that that is an issue in some of the countries. How exactly does the employer-employee relation work there? How um, um, what what are the how do how do yeah how do contracts work? So um, the the initiatives of the many IT parks basically they they set out a clear procedure for hiring staff and also reducing corruption risks and, and minimizing potential um, bureaucracy processes. Um, and th yeah, thirdly, and very importantly, so thinking of the, kind of the political situation in, in, in many countries in the region. So what, um, what IT parks try to do is offer some sort of investment protection. And you can think here of yeah, avoiding, uh, trying to avoid unwarranted, un unwarranted state oversight. Um, in the IT sector. So there is um, the risk um, for many companies that the authorities would start um, yeah, criminal proceedings into their handling some sort of, uh, some sort of um, problems with the financial transactions. So the idea of IT parks is to offer investment protection. And you can think here of, um, of ways to um, to uh, to make to yeah to basically uh, make sure that that law enforcement cannot um, cannot interfere into the yeah business of IT companies without a court's approval, but also more specific legislation that would really boost yeah the uh, venture capital and uh, attract foreign investors to the country. Okay, thanks. And interesting to hear you talk about these because it's obviously not a trend that is specific to the region. Um, Silicon Valley is a very famous example, but equally technology parks have played a pretty critical role in the development of the tech sector in, say, for example, India and Pakistan. But I think seeing quite so many of them in all of these neighboring countries that you describe um, in Eastern Europe is certainly interesting. Um, so perhaps we can talk about the three uh, things that you've just outlined. So the kind of unwarranted state intervention, the tax benefits and the hiring practices. The first one is particularly interesting, I think, because, and perhaps you can explain this a bit more to our listeners, the situation that we've seen in Belarus in the past six months seems to suggest that there hasn't been this protection from unwarranted state intervention. And if anything, it's been quite an acute risk that potentially is going to spook off the tech sector um, and achieve yeah. the contrary. So could you tell us a bit more about what happened there and whether you think that's going to have a long lasting effect or whether it was a one off incident? Absolutely. So, yeah, like I like I said um, earlier, um, in, in in yeah, um, protests have yeah, swept through Belarus following the presidential elections in in um, in August last year, and um, basically what we've seen since since August is that the IT sector has increasingly fallen out of favor with the authorities. They uh, yeah, they are thought to have played a a key role in the in, in the protest movement um and to be some sort of um, hub of 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 um yeah liberal views and and um and practices that are yeah that basically differ from the rest of the belarusian economy so what's uh what we've seen as a result is that many uh that that yeah that well that that some it companies 
have been um, investigated by the authorities and there have been um, cases opened against them. Um, some cases had to do with, with, with tax fraud. Um, um, and what is interesting is that some of these um, cases can directly contradict the, the norms or the legislation for the high technologies part that has been set out in 2017. So this is really uh, also a sign for domestic and foreign companies that um, that's not all, although governments may um, have made promises earlier not to um, not to uh, change the legislation or not to um, not to, to act against it. Some um, some that this this has happened due to the political situation. Um, so this did give a signal to um, the Ukrainian uh, government, the Ukrainian authorities that. Um, that is necessary to offer some sort of protection from unwarranted state oversight from um, from law enforcement or security forces that may that may um, that may interfere in the IT business. So, what has been proposed in in recent Ukrainian legislation, for example, is like I said. So, without the approval of the prosecutor general or his deputies, um, no investigation into IT companies will be allowed. Um, so that's with. With the eyes set on Belarus, that's a that's a that's a very important part of, of that legislation, um, and that could yeah that could definitely be a a, a deal breaker if you want. Interesting. Um, also interesting. What you're saying seem to be saying that what's happened in Belarus might almost uh, make other countries take conscious efforts to avoid that situation, and therefore it might be the exception in the region, despite as you say having been one of the forerunners previously. Um, so the second point you raised was preferential tax regimes, which is interesting as well. Um, I assume this is kind of creating special economic regions to attract investment. Um, but my question is kind of, are these primarily aimed at boosting just domestic IT? Or as you say, is this about trying to create a hub for international investment as well? Because that seems to be one of the big issues that the region has had thus far. Right. Yeah. So the concerning well yeah regards to the taxes um, there is no yeah distinct separation between uh, taxes that are aimed at domestic companies or foreign companies so many of the IT parks um, so if you look now at Belarus and Ukraine specific, specifically um, they are they foresee significantly lower corporate taxes um, no prof taxes on on, on profits. Um, and in the case of Ukraine, exits capital taxes. Um, so the idea is here not to to separate between domestic and foreign companies, but there is, if you look more broadly, there is a there is a discussion about whether um, foreign companies um, are actually, um, yeah, whether their interests are better protected than the interests of domestic companies. Uh, for example, the the, the Ukrainian um, legislation that has been proposed now um, contains no, a non-compete agreement. So, which basically means that um, if, for example, a foreign company opens an, an R&D in Ukraine and develops some sort of um, innovation, some sort of innovative application, such uh, such a yeah uh, non-compete clause would basically prevent a local company from luring an employee out of an R&D office and copying this uh, this innovative application. So um, 
the ideas that, um, as some members of the, of the domestic IT community argue, is that this could protect the interests of foreign companies that will become residents of this IT park um, and, not, um, and not really support the domestic IT companies. Um, so there are specific provisions in legislation that, that, that seem to be biased, according to some. Um, but um, with regards to taxation, there is a, yeah, if you will, leveling, level playing field. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and then I think there was a, a third and final benefit that you mentioned, which was around hiring and employment. This is obviously a politically charged issue um, in any region. I mean, in the West, we have a lot of dispute around the kind of gig economy sector, how companies like Uber tackle this issue. So what is Eastern Europe looking at doing in this space? Absolutely. So in in what we can now see in specifically, I'm, I'm referring to Ukraine because the, the legislation is, is, is in development now and there have been amendments uh, published recently. So you really see there what, uh, what, what, um, what best practice have been taken from, from other countries, basically. And that's interesting, an interesting case to compare it with. Then. Um, so what you see there is uh, a newly proposed model, uh, the so-called gig model for hiring employees um, before over the last yeah 20 years or so um, the IT sector has mostly hired staff as individual contractors so um, this means that employers do not have to pay significant um, social social contributions um, so and and basically it leaves it leaves some sort of the idea is that this leaves some sort of hole in the state budget while the IT sector has been growing um, they have not really been contributing to uh, contributing in terms of um, in terms of the state budget um, because of these because of the, the the contractual forms so a new this new gig model would um, would regulate in a new way the relation between employers and employees. So it would take the IT sector out of the informal economy. Um, but at the same time, there will still be the taxes that have to be paid, or I mean, the social contributions that will have to be paid of the employees will still be relatively low. Um, companies, or yeah, IT companies are still reluctant to, um, yeah, to support this because they feel that they basically they feel they don't un, they, they think that it has the system has worked although there have been flaws it has worked fine for them in the last 20 years or so um, the IT sector has grown um, with these contractual forms and yeah that any sort of regulation or any sort of initiatives from the from the government in this area um, they feel that this could um, really impede growth and yeah really yeah not really contribute to the further development of the sector so there are concerns still about this okay great um and that kind of leads me on to some of the final questions that i wanted to ask which is that you've raised there's quite a lot of skepticism about well i mean a lot of the benefits of these it parks and the growth of the sector more generally in eastern europe so how do you foresee this playing out um are the issues that Belarus has had in recent months going to set a new 
issue for the region in terms of its tech development or do you think that is just an exception a bump in the road and actually there's a greater trajectory of growth that's going to happen here that's a, that's a very good question um it's it's hard to it's hard to predict of course how the situation in belarus uh, will will play out um it's uh, it, it it yeah it goes without saying that it has seriously affected the the IT sector there, and um, as a result, um, many IT companies, many Belarusian IT companies, have started thinking about relocating to neighboring countries, including Ukraine, also countries in the wider region. Um, so it will be interesting to see whether this will have exactly like you said, a kind of a, a longer term impact. Um, in terms of what's happening what will happen in um, in ukraine specifically i think that there's uh, there's some potential for for real growth um there um also taking into account ukraine's intention of approaching eu best practices and their yeah their idea of playing yeah with potential eu membership um so there is real kind of political uh yeah political impetus if you will um and that could really develop the the sector that i think um brings to the fore a very important question which is where eastern europe finds itself in terms of its geopolitical alliances i assume that there is quite a strong influence of china but then as you say for countries like ukraine the law of eu membership presumably pulls it in a slightly different direction so how where do you see eastern europe fitting into this or is it an overly simplistic view to suggest that there's a homogenous approach to geopolitical relationships no there that's uh, i think you're right saying that the chinese influence should not be underestimated so um, i mean when we talk about central asia there have there has been um there, there it has been voiced for example by the kazakhstan president that's um that's chinese support for the for the creation of it parks and the it sector there would be very much appreciated um, and will be interesting how this will play out in Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, for example. Um, yeah, again, returning to Ukraine, um, the, the the EU factor will be will be uh, will play an important part in the next coming years, and would also potentially, yeah, like I said, boost the boost the IT sector there. Uh, with Belarus, it's it's harder to say what's what's going to happen, but let's hope for the best. Um, so yeah, on, on the overall, these are kind of very different. Um, very different, um, uh, very different factors for all different sides of the regions, and um, it will be interesting to see how this will really affect the IT sector there. Great, um, and just one final question from me, which is that a lot of our discussion today has been dominated by talk of IT parks, which seems to be a pretty prominent uh, lever for uh, by. The governments in this region for trying to incentivize growth but do you think that there are gaps in terms of other areas that ought to also be drawn upon so i mean the tech sector is commonly uh, supported in other countries by for example public sector digitization or greater regulatory certainty around data use for example um, do you think that there's that any of that is currently lacking in the region or is that also emerging um that's also that's a very good point. It, it depends, I guess, also where where you're um, where you're looking at which which part of the region you're you're focusing on. Um, in Ukraine, for example, the the development of of the um, this 
IT park or this IT ecosystem legislation uh, goes hand in hand with actual digitalization efforts and yeah, legislation to develop Ukraine um, as a develop Ukraine's e-governance. Um, so the digitalization, uh, the digitalization of its public of its public sector. These, uh, these, this is all, this is all interconnected. And if you look at Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, you see that the IT parks were developed there, um, following efforts to, to basically boost the connectivity, the regional or the domestic connectivity. So boosting the internet infrastructure. Um, so these things go, go hand in hand and, um, the government doesn't see it as a as a as a yeah as a separate exercise so the digitalization of its public sector goes hand in hand with development of its commercial um it sector that's definitely true yeah absolutely um and i think maybe to bring this back full circle uh we started out talking about estonia and the way that that very quickly developed and i think that's a prime example of i think now 99 percent of their public services have been digitized in recent years um and that's been a, a real driver of tech growth um in the region absolutely and um, yeah 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 that's true Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Um, and to our listeners, um, as always, if you or your business or your investment is exposed to any of these issues, uh, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can find contact details for both myself and Alex and our sector, sectoral teams on the Global Council website, which is www.global-council.com or via the link that's in the podcast notes. Um, thank you very much for listening. For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website www.global-council.com and subscribe to our mailing list. And you can follow us on Twitter at global underscore council. Thank you.